In-depth analysis from former Wisconsin athletes, Gosser, Bruzowitz, Butch. This is the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, it has been a great week for Wisconsin. They get a pair of wins. They go to Nebraska, take care of business there, come home and beat Purdue on Tuesday night. And uh, they improve to 9-6 and six in Big Ten play. They're in a four-way tie for third place, just a game back of second. We'll get to all our former Badgers coming up, Brian Butch, Josh Gosser, Mike Bruzewitz. But today, special guest, it is the star of the game the other night. It is Aleem Ford. Aleem, appreciate you joining. Uh, huge game for you the other night, as I said. Career-high 19 points, hit five three-pointers. That was also a career-high. That's four games now in your last five in double digits what's been the difference in your game the last few weeks yeah it kind of tracks back a little bit to when cubby king stepped away but what's been different um i'd say just trying to be more aggressive uh there's definitely been more opportunity for for us so just trying to make most of the opportunity and attack and uh just continue to be aggressive and i feel like i've done a good job of that recently uh on the boards offensively defensively just kind of overall so i'm just trying to keep that aggressiveness going forward I was talking with Demetri Trice last week, and he mentioned that, and he said that you guys talked about it a little bit, knowing that Kobe's not there, that you guys have to remind each other to be aggressive. Is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. Just like I said before, there's more opportunity, and we, we as a team needed to pick that up and fulfill that role. And I feel like we've done a good job of that, and it hasn't just been one guy. Like you said, Demetri has uh, up this play, um, and then just other guys, guys coming off the bench, Trevor, Tyler, and uh, just trying to just play together and just continue to, to fulfill and pick up where we need to be picked up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you mentioned the rebounding thing. Looking back through your stats, you didn't you didn't have a single game with more than seven rebounds before two weeks ago. Now you've had at least seven in the last three. You had a career high against Nebraska at ten. What's been the difference there? I mean, I, I, I'm guessing the aggressiveness aspect of it is, but is there a little bit more to it? Like, how how does that happen? Um. Being in the right spots and just, just yeah. <laughs> is it, is it just luck sometimes? Right spots, yeah, uh, at times, but putting myself in the right spots sure. and putting myself in in the spots to get rebounds and offensively uh, trying to make sure I continue to attack the offensive glass and try to create more opportunities for us and just just yeah, you know, like I said, just making sure that I put myself in the right spots so I can get those lucky rebounds or just be in the right spot to grab the rebound. So I feel like. Um, over these last few games, I've been trying to keep that mindset to make sure I keep going, and then that's when the ball just kind of lands in your hands. Yeah, I wasn't trying to insult you by saying they're all lucky. I, the, the, no, that, no, you know, no. I wasn't wasn't doing that. No, it, it is there is a little bit of knowing yeah, kind sure. of where you want to be on the floor at, at certain times when the ball is going to be coming off the rim. And again, talking with Lean Ford here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable, your parents were in the stands uh, the other night. I assume they don't get to see you play a ton. What were their uh, emotions like after that game that you had? Uh, they they were excited, and I mean, I was just happy that they can make it out uh, coming all the way from Georgia and just taking time off work to come out and see me. So so just just knowing that they were going to be in the crowd gave me a little extra boost, and just ha- having them be uh, being that support me was very very important. I think I read it was that's like the third time they've been able to see you play up here, or is that am I wrong with that? Um, I think the third time that they were both together. Oh, okay. All right. I know they, they made it out to some games uh, in Brooklyn, and then my dad made uh, some games on his own, and then my mom made some games on their own. So sure. it might have been like the second or third time that they both were able to come out and see me together. Gotcha, gotcha. So I saw the video from the locker room, uh, Greg Gard talking about he knew you were hot when 
you yelled? Was it? What'd you yell uh, uh, when, you, when you shot the shot right in front of him? What did you? What did you yell? Uh, good. Good. I, I knew. It was, I knew it was good when it left my hand. <laughs> that that confidence, and, and he kind of talked about it after the game. The confidence that he's seen from you has has grown, and he said it's not necessarily something that is natural. That he, that it has to be built. Would you agree with that? Is that something that has grown for you, especially of late? To the point where you are yelling good before the before the ball's even in. Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Just he's always talking to me about just that natural aggressiveness. So just making sure I I am more aggressive and that that just builds confidence. So just just making sure that he. I know he did talked about uh, the Minnesota. I didn't. I think I had three points, yeah. but he just talked about my aggressiveness on the boards and defensively, and just still having that confidence whether it's scoring or not. So and that just kind of has been leading from game to game. Can you tell when you're going to be hot? Can you tell in warm-ups, like, I'm feeling good and it, this is this is going to go well, or does it something you have to wait to see what the, when the game starts playing out? <laughs> I mean, it kind of it kind of, honestly kind of varies. Uh-huh. Some games when you don't feel good in warm-ups, then you are hot during the game. But <laughs> um, I, I would say just I've, I've been shooting the ball really well. I've been trying to get in and get extra shots, so I've, I've felt pretty confident going the game. And then just, just being at home at the Cole Center, you're more comfortable because We've gotten up thousands and thousands of shots in this gym before, so just being back at home, especially after a away game, uh, felt really good. So, I, I mean, I definitely felt confident going into the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, a little bit off-the-court stuff. Dimitri Trice, he's your roommate. You guys met uh, at IMG Academy down in Florida when you guys uh, spent a post-grad there. Uh, what drew you guys together? Um, I'd say sense of humor. Okay. <laughs> just off-the-court. Just off uh, he's a great player on the court, and he was my point guard there at IMG as well, but I just say off the court, just sense of humor and personality. We kind of just drew to each other and just called. We just saw we kind of liked the same things and we just laughed at the same jokes and it was just uh, just kind of like a great bond from the start. He kind of he described you as like his brother. Obviously, uh, I don't I don't believe you have a brother, so he he's like he's he's another one of the he's another trice essentially is what he uh, described you <laughs> as right. And uh-huh. uh, but it's not all it's not all great. My understanding is you guys you guys have had some fights. Yeah, because uh, you guys are roommates. You've had some fights over stupid things. He said homework, video games, and anything else. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I mean, it's been a lot. Like if you have that brother relationship, it's a love hate relationship. So <laughs> have all these great moments, but then you also fight as well. But that's at the end of the day, why, why we're brothers. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, from homework, from school to basketball to video games. But, no, I mean, it's a relationship to where we get mad at each other, but at the end of the day, we know we still have each other's backs. That's kind of like the, the beauty of a relationship like that. And like you said, I don't have a brother in my family. I just have an older sister. So just having someone to, to lean on in that aspect is huge. Video games, what's, what's, what's the video game you guys play? Um, right now, it's the the most recent Call of Duty. Okay, all right. So you guys, are <laughs> but, you, but a while has been Fortnite. Fortnite, <laughs> okay. So that yeah. Fortnite's more individual. Call of Duty, I guess you could play teams, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So who's better? Who's a better player? You or Dimitri? Easily Dimitri. He, <laughs> he's a gamer. He, he has a, at one point, not to brag for him, but at one point he was top in the world in like a Call. Of, I forget which Call of Duty it was. Really. But, yeah, he's he's really good. So okay. I, I can talk. I can talk a good game, but he's, he's definitely better. Okay. Uh, you, as you mentioned earlier, you're from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin's a slightly different environment than Georgia. <laughs> yeah. What's but what's the best thing about Wisconsin in the winter from your perspective? Best thing. I'm going to get to your worst thing, but the best thing in the winter. Yes. Is there anything good about Wisconsin in the winter? <laughs> All right. So it's definitely not the weather. I'm not. I, it's not. <laughs> 
I'm not a big fan of the snow, but um, I'll just say, I'd have to say, all right, so a good thing about the snow is just like on Christmas and everything, you actually have like the Christmas feeling yes. in Georgia. In Georgia on Christmas, it's it's 60 degrees, <laughs> 50 to 60 degrees, so you don't really get like the whole Christmas vibe. So so here during the wintertime, you kind of get like the, the vibe of the holidays and everything. I got you. All right. And then so the worst, is it the weather? I mean, I, like weather easily. Would you rather have a, would you rather have a lot of snow? What, I mean, like, what's worse? Do you hate the snow that there's so much snow, or is it the cold that 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 hits you? It's it's the cold. The snow isn't too bad because that means it's kind of like around thirty thirty two degrees, so that's not too bad. But yeah. honestly, a day like today, to where it's like five to ten degrees, and you like couldn't have to wear gloves and your hands are nipping the entire time. That's that's the worst. I remember talking to Nigel Hayes about that and he, he used to say that it's pissed off cold. Like as soon as you open yeah. up the door, you're pissed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just changes the mood. It just changes, <laughs> feel, feels like it's ripping off your skin. So that's that's when it, it gets bad. And and obviously you spend a lot of time here in the summer. What's the best part about being in Madison during the summer? Um the lakes. Yeah. And just the lakes, just being able to you get I have obviously have more time. So just just being able to just get around and just really enjoy the city. All right. Hey, Aleem, certainly appreciate uh, your, your time. Uh, good luck going forward as you guys get to take on Rutgers here this Sunday. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good talking to you. All right. There you are. Aleem Ford. Coming up next, going to be chatting with our first four Badger of the Night. It is Brian Butch. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. A McDonald's All-American, All-Big Ten first team, and Big Ten champion. We hear from Brian Butch. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We do bring in former Badger Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Well, Brian, Badgers get a couple of wins since the last time we had a chance to talk to go to Nebraska. Everyone seems to leave, seems to win at Nebraska except for two teams. Uh, but they they took care of that. Brad Davison, huge game, eight three pointers. You got thirty points from him. Then you come home and he beat Purdue sixty nine sixty five. Aleem Ford with his career high nineteen points, and he had five three pointers. Overall impressions of the week. Uh, obviously, a lot of positives there to to build on for Wisconsin. A lot of positives, but big picture, I think when you look about what this team has become. They could have easily folded numerous times throughout this year. They haven't done that. They've responded. They've responded to Greg Gard and his coaching style. And I think that's the most impressive thing. I think what this group of young men have done has really impressed me because they could have easily quit throughout the season a couple of times. And instead, they didn't quit. They come together. I've liked the, what I've seen from Aleem Ford, his ability to step up a little bit, be more aggressive. I think that's been a really, really good thing for this Badger team. Obviously, Micah Potter's added a lot of different things to this team as well. Brad Davidson's finally shooting the ball a little bit better. But it's the little things with this group. The way that they were able to rebound the basketball better against Purdue. And that's just being able and willing to accept coaching. And that's what I love about it, is I think that this group understands that this is the standard that Greg Gard expects from us. And now we got to have to go out and do it. And that's what they did. Yeah, they definitely did. And it, it Against Purdue, it was late, right? I mean, they for for a while there, Purdue ha- was having their way with the boards, at least in the first half. I mean, Trayvon Williams is just a, a load down low. But late, they got four offensive rebounds that didn't necessarily lead to buckets, but it led to more time running off the clock. 
And it was something that Matt Painter pointed to after the game. He's, he, you know, you can talk about a lean forward, you can talk about the free throw shooting, but he pointed to those four offensive rebounds, and a lot of the offensive rebounding, at least, at least in my view, is effort. And the, you know, and sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time, but a lot of it's effort. And I felt like they they gave more that night. Well, especially Brevin Pritzel, he was able to get so many of those offensive rebounds late, and that's just a senior knowing what time it is, knowing that it, you know, his career is almost over with, and he doesn't want it to end without having a say in it. And I think, for me, that's what this group has been about. They've been about that extra effort. They've continued to fight. They've continued to battle. And I think, it, more than anything, they're one game out of being in second place in the Big Ten right now. And if you were said that when everyone thought that the house was going to fall down, again, they can get on a stretch here. They go ahead, beat Rutgers at home. I hope the fans are a little bit louder than they were last, uh, last game against Purdue. But then if you, they go on the road and beat Michigan, watch out. I mean, this team will be in the top 25. Do you envision, like, uh, beating Rutgers at home is one thing. Rutgers just been an absolutely different team away from the rack. Obviously, they've, they've lost a couple now in a row here. They're a different team. But going on in the road and beating a Michigan team who is still fighting for uh, not just they're, – they're fighting for seeding. They're fighting for their NCAA tournament life. That would be, to me, at this point in the year – the and we didn't know how good Penn State was going to be earlier in the year when they went there and won, but that would be perhaps the best win. I mean, because going on the road and beating anybody in the Big Ten is impressive, but in this situation, if they were able to do it at Michigan? You know what, I think so, but I, I also think that Penn State win looks really, really good. Oh, no, right, uh, right, the Ohio, right. Yeah, the Ohio State win. But, I, but what it means, I think, more than anything, I think when they, and if they get this win, it's when it happens, right? All the adversity that they've gone through, the Penn State win, yes, they had some adversity, but they had Michael Potter back. Everything looked like it was going the right way. Now you look at this Michigan win, if they get the win, uh, all the adversity, everything that they've been through, and to go get it then and make a statement and go on a winning streak, which they would go on, I would assume, with, with a win against uh, Rutgers. Yeah, uh, I just think that – yeah, exactly, right? I just think that would be the statement – for this program, uh, especially considering everything that they've gone through. Yeah, again, talk with Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. So Wisconsin has hit uh, double-digit number threes in three straight games. It's the first time they've done it in Big Ten play since 2017. Would you consider Wisconsin a good three-point shooting team? They're ranked 136 in the country or something like that. I think they're at 34.3 right around there in terms of three-point possession. Would you consider them a good three-point shooting team, or are they just they just average? I would say they're average. Okay. I would. I'd love to say that they're good. Uh, that being said, I think they've got some of their shooters are finally starting to put it together. Uh, Brad Davidson was not shooting the ball well at all this year. Obviously, he goes to Nebraska and puts it together, but I think what he's done is confidence-wise, that's come along a little bit. Aline Ford shooting the ball better. So you get a couple of those guys to shoot it at the clip that they're going to, and it's going to be better than what their number is, but I still don't think they're a great three-point shooting team. Yeah, no, and, and again, that's uh, to me, if you're going to make a run in the tournament, you're going to have to be a good three-point shooting team. You're going to have to be able to hit higher than their season average. They're going to have to be around 40 because that's more so their game than, than – uh, and it's a lot of teams' games nowadays, but that that has that is going to have to be there, right? That, that 40% right around there, that's going to have to be – you're going to need Demetri Trice and Brevin Pritzel and Brad Davison and Nate Reeves. You're going to have all those guys. They need to hit – at a better level than they have throughout this regular season to make a run, no? There's no question about it. Yes, they're going to have to make shots. They're going to have to defend. I think that's the thing. And then really the one thing that we saw in that Purdue game that still hasn't kind of got cleaned up quite yet 
has been end-of-clock situations, game on the line. They went with a high ball screen late in the clock. If you're going to do that, I would just rather have it go early and try to get a good look. Um, I think sometimes the last couple of possessions we've seen this Badger team struggle just a little bit and try to figure out what they want to get into. So that's, like I said, they've got some time to still try to figure that out, but they need to kind of, you know, figure out who needs to have the ball in their hands and then what are they going to do when they get in that situation. I just don't think the late clock ball screen on the top of the key is going to be the result that they want. We saw two actions of that uh, against Purdue, and neither one of them were really that good of shots. Yeah, no, the, and, and Trice has hit those, right? Uh, he has, he has, sure. He has hit those, but that to me, when you're in the double bonus, you want to be going inside, don't you? Uh, you, you want to be forcing the action, and that's not necessarily Dimitri's game, though he did get a pull-up jumper that, that came up short right around. Look, they missed their last eight shots. No, nothing was yeah. going there. They, they did not make exactly. a shot in the last 538, so it wasn't just those late plays where they weren't knocking down shots, but in that situation, I'm, I want to go inside to Nate Reavers and at least – because he was, he had a really, really nice second half, and I, I'm not going to question Greg Gard. I think Greg Gard wanted them to go inside a little bit more down the stretch. For sure, but you know, get the ball to a guy who has been able to draw some fouls, get a, get inside, and, and get to the line, and not have to worry about trying to shoot threes. And that, to me, was probably the difference of the game. It should not have come down to to as tight as it was. No, and I think that's part of it, right? So a lot of it in college basketball in general, a lot of your actions always end in a ball screen. Right. So there's a couple of things that, like, they ran some action. You know, you're in a situation where you want to burn clocks, so you're trying to have it end in the ball screen. For me, the couple of seconds that it matters, I would try rather try to get in that just a tad bit early so that Dimitri feels like he can turn that, you know, corner to attack. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like he doesn't have enough he, – that he feels like he doesn't have enough time. So then you see him pull it back out and try to go one-on-one real quick. And at that point – it's just not Demetrius tries to uh, his strength to go by somebody in that situation. Now he can go by people with the ball screen, and that's where you you know you you mentioned it. You know, attack. There's a couple of ways you can attack. Obviously, you throw it down low to the post and attack. Otherwise, on that ball screen action, you can attack and hit a paint touch, and then that way the defense has to clap. You can get your shooters in the corner. You can get drop offs to your big. That's the action that I would love to see out of that ball screen is for Demetrius to just drop that shoulder, get the leverage, beat the guard get to the paint, and then make that defense clap and then be, collapse and then be a playmaker. Yeah. Good talk with Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. All right, let's get into something that you mentioned and also something that you were a little upset about on Twitter. The crowd on, on Tuesday night at the Kohl's Center was not – it was not ideal. Uh, both, you know, in the regular sections but also the student section was, was basically empty uh, in the second and third deck. We've seen at times that we've seen a quiet Kohl Center for much of the year. It has not been – a jacked-up place to play. We've seen, except I think you know the Michigan State game was certainly rowdy. Yeah. But for a former player, we've heard from fans. But as a former player, I know that Zach Showalter tweeted out a picture and was quite upset. What do you think? What is what do you what's going through your mind when you see empty seats like that in a quiet Cole Center? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and I might upset some Badger fans, and if I do, I apologize. But it's the truth. <laughs> uh, I'm disappointed. Like I, I'm disappointed. I am. Uh, it's it's one of those things that, listen, Badger fans have been great. And just because you've had great basketball for 20-plus years, don't just take it for granted. I mean, these kids, with everything that they've been through, all everything that they've done, if they go up nine against Purdue, as a fan base, get behind them, cheer for them, stand up on your feet. It's okay to do that. You're not going to get in somebody's way. It's okay. You can stand up and yell and cheer because what that leads to is maybe a stop on the defensive end, maybe another basket, 
Then Wisconsin goes up 11, and guess what? You don't have to sweat it out. You can shut the door because of the fan, you know, the energy in the building. So for me, I'm, I was disappointed. I really was. The student section, that you can do different things to do. And the, I compare this a little bit, right? The Green Bay Packers have won for how many years? Won forever, right? Matt LaFleur comes in. What does he say? We need more of a home field, home turf advantage. So what do they do differently? They did some different things in the, in the stadium. They tried to create a little bit more of a home field atmosphere. atmosphere. That's the same thing. The Packers have been good for 20 years. Well, guess what? Badger basketball has been good for 20 years. So you've got to find a way to change it up. So that's a little bit of that. But then again, you just as fans, you have to realize if you're at the game, part of your thing is to be behind this group that's been through so much. More than anything, I think you've got to respect what this group has done and show up and be a part of it that much more because I don't know if there's been a Badger group that's gone through more stuff. No, probably not. Probably not. And and so, yeah, yeah. I'm, go ahead, sir. Uh, no, but that's the thing. Like, if there's any group that needs your support more than anything, it's this group. It's easy to cheer when a group, you know, when we were 30 and 5 and 30 or 31 and 5 and 30 and 6. Like, those are easy. But this group, with what they've done, they need your support more than anything. Because guess what? They've been through a lot. But when you're a player and you hear that crowd start going, there's no reason that Micah Potter should have to be the biggest cheerleader. He's trying to win games. He's trying to figure out how he's got to handle the big boys from Purdue, right? There's two of them that are really tough in that arms and Williams, and he's trying to figure out how to battle. He shouldn't have to worry about getting the fans pumped up. They should be pumping him up. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a tough situation because I don't know the answer for it. I, mean, I can't. You, and I don't know the answer. You know, you know, I don't. You know, because they've, they've tried some stuff, whether it's with a DJ or whether it's, you know, some stuff, you know, yep. in the student section to get them to come out. I mean, there's, there's, they've done stuff. It's not like they've just Correct. ignored it. They are trying, but they haven't had any yep. success in making it happen. And again, uh, I know you said it's not about style of play and it's not about the, you know, the lack of a, a star, but I, I kind of think it kind of is a little bit, to be honest with you. Like, there's, there are, there, not the entire stadium. But the student section, for sure, they, the attention span is, is not there unless because these kids were juniors and seniors in high school when Wisconsin was going on that run with Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker, and then even after that with Nigel Hayes and Bronson Katie, you don't have stars right now that, that, are, that are coming out and to, to watch and to get excited about. That's uh, Student section-wise, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about here. But in general, there's only so many things you can do to get people to come to the game, and UW certainly has a motivation to get people there and, and energizing that stuff because it's going to make your team better. But you also have to understand that they already have all that money in their pocket. You know what I mean? Like the game, like the season tickets yeah. in the student section, they're sold out. There's there's no tickets yeah. available there. They've already had that money, so they want it to be a great environment. But it's not like it's taking money out of their pocket if it's not. Correct, and I and I do know that they've done a bunch of different things. They, like you said, they've had the DJ. They've done a lot of different things to try to get that excitement going. Again, I and it happens. I think a lot of places where you just you realize that you've got a team, but you know that's going to be in the top four every year, and that's just the normal. Yeah. Um, and that's probably where this team will finish, which, if you think about it, is absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> it is. But I think in, in a good way. And that, to me, the big thing is and – and maybe, you know, our players come out and say, hey, we need to make this better, former players, maybe. You know, I, I understand that. It's not the job for Coach Guard. Uh, it's not the job for the assistant coaches. It's not the job for the players to try to say, hey, we need it to be better. We need it to be louder. That's not their job. They're busy enough to try to make it happen. And I do think that, you know, like I, I expect Sunday's game 
to be uh, loud and raucous, and I, I expect that to be back. Part of it might have been its experience, too. I understand that that's, that's a tough situation as well. Um, I just, again, for especially this group of, of, of guys, yep. everything that they've been through, everything that they've battled, I, you know, it's always, to, to reward them a little bit. And how you can do that is just by showing up and, and cheering. Yeah, no doubt. Brian, thank you very much. We'll, we'll catch up next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks. All right, there he is, Brian Butch here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. No stranger to the NCAA tournament and rebound machine. Forward Mike Buzowitz. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we do bring in former Badger Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Well, Mike, Wisconsin got a couple of wins uh, this past week, one at Nebraska and one over uh, Purdue at home. And a factor in both those games was Aline Ford. He had a career-high 10 rebounds against Nebraska, came home, had a career-high 19 points against Purdue. Are we slowly but surely seeing confidence build within Aleem? I mean, obviously he's had to take a step up since Kobe left, but are we, are we, seeing, that, uh, are we seeing growth out of him confidence-wise, you think? Oh, yeah, tremendous confidence. Um, you know, specifically, if you think back to the Purdue game, um, that that shot he took on the left wing in the second half, right in front of coach guard, um, there wasn't a whole lot of space, to be honest with you. He kind of caught the ball on the wing off, of, I think it was a down screen, and the, the defender kind of backed up, and he just rose up and shot it right in front of him. And, and you don't do that. You don't take that type of shot without having a lot of confidence. Obviously, he had knocked some down before. Right. You know, he's coming off a couple of good games, but for him, just the confidence to even take that shot. You know, knowing he's in rhythm, knowing he's you know made some big buckets for them. Uh, you know, some shots earlier in the game, which helps that. But it doesn't really matter at that point. You gotta you gotta say, oh man, this kid's starting to really figure it out, and he's starting to kind of get. It. It's just great to see him play uh, play really well, and 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 the Badgers really need that. Um, you know, from contributing guys um, on different nights. Yeah, no doubt. He's he's starting to come along, and then the other guy that's starting to come along, at least the last two games shooting-wise, has been Brad Davison. Goes 8 of 11 at Nebraska from three, sets a ties a school record with that, and then he comes back and hits 3 of 5 against Purdue. It feels like uh, maybe, and Dimitri Trice has been there as well. I mean, he was shooting 46% from three, you know, uh, over the last month before the, uh, before the Purdue game. He went 2 for 7 from three, so it maybe went down a little bit. But it feels like what happened at the end of last year where those guys kind of fell off uh, at the end of the season, it's kind of going the other way. They're starting to pick it up as we get towards uh, towards March. Yeah, it's just great to see. Um, you know, the big thing was is in that Nebraska game, you saw Brad be really aggressive early. Um, and I've kind of been saying that the entire year is I, I think those two lead guards, it starts with them. You know, when Brad and Demetric are really aggressive and, and getting in the paint, um, and looking for their shots, it just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it almost calms everybody else down and goes, oh, okay, I, I need to, you know, I can get into my role. It, it doesn't quite put as much pressure on them. Um, and you kind of see that, you know, earlier in the season we had so much pressure on, on the bigs, you know, specifically Nate Reavers to, to kind of get post touches and scores that way. And, and when Dimitrik and, uh, and Brad are, are really trying to be aggressive, things just flow better. It just looks, the offense looks a little faster. It just looks like the ball movement's a little more crisp. 
Um, and, and that's pretty indicative of the last couple of games. Yeah, and you mentioned Nate Reavers, and I, it was a tale of two halves for him against Purdue, wasn't it? I mean, it did not look pretty uh, the first half. Travion Williams had his way down low. He had his way down low against Micah Potter, too. It wasn't just Nate, but it felt like those guys were getting pushed around a little bit. And then the second half, Nate came out, got a couple of, got a, a long three to go, got a jumper to go, drew three fouls. I mean, he what, in your mind, just changed them? Is it is it just an attitude change? Is it just a... What, what is it about the difference from the first half to the second half with him, you think? With with him, um, I think it was just he kind of got tired of getting the kick. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one thing that happened. But, um, you know, that's just kind of the weird different thing about basketball is, is sometimes, you know, a guy will, you know, do something to you in the first half and he'll kind of have his way. And you, you just are kind of like, all right, he, you know, that half went to him, unfortunately. And you got to regroup and, and you come out and you just try and fight the second half. And, and that's the thing that he did is, he was able to regroup. Same thing with Michael Potter. They were able to really regroup, and um, I wouldn't say they took complete command of the paint, but they no. got they got stuff back. Yeah, you know they, they didn't they didn't you know let let everybody in. They didn't open up the floodgates. They were able to you know stand their ground, hold back a little bit, um, and, and keep them at bay um, and not totally dominating the, the, the painted area. But you gotta give credit to Purdue guys. Those you know Harms and, and the big dude Williamson. Those guys are great. Those are good good bigs, I think. Um, in terms of just how active they were and, and, and just how aggressive they were in the paint. You know, those guys are some big dudes. and I feel like they just kind of, you know, they just have uh, – Nate just had a little bit of a struggle with them, which, you know, happens from time to time. Yeah, I mean, Williams is a big dude. I mean, but Williams is 270, 280. I mean, he's he is a big guy. He's load, and, and he was – it felt like he, his hands were getting on every single ball. Harms is a little bit different. He's kind of he's – he's not as big, but he's kind of got – some some similar Harms is a, he's attributes. He's still a giant human. He, he's no, still he, a seven he, foot giant. Oh, human. Def, he definitely is, and he's a <laughs> he's a giant human that is has one of the more punchable faces in college basketball. I, I would say. Um, <laughs> I think he has great is, hair. Is I don't it, know what you're talking about? Hair, okay, but like, uh, here's 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 my new rule proposal that I said during the game the other night is if you claim a hook and hold. And it's not a hook and hold. You should be the one that gets the technical. Because he started crying about a hook and hold on Nate Reavers and got them to review it, and it turned out to be nothing. What do you think? I mean, at that point, it's got to be a delay of game. It's got to so, be something, you know. Yeah, it's but that's a that's a rule for college basketball to to discuss. So hook and hold, ho- you know, hook and hold is trash, man. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that at all. Yeah, I don't know why they put that rule in. It was it's it's a strange. They were trying to clean up college basketball. I don't know. They, they were doing too much with that rule. Uh, I don't think it's that useful. Yeah. I mentioned Harms. Is there a guy during your career that, that you kind of just got annoyed by? And I'm not saying you Harms is annoying. I think some fans may find him to be that way. But if, in your uh, playing career, was there anybody that stood out to you? Oof. Um, you know, there was a few guys, uh, you know, specifically Draymond Green was kind of a pain. He was difficult to deal with. Just, you know, he was very talented, but he was also difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's a good question. I got to think back now. <laughs> this is so many games and so many players. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, um, you know, Aaron White was a very difficult matchup. You know, he was kind of annoying. He was super long, very active. Yeah. Um, pretty physical guy. Aaron White was uh, was definitely one of my arch nemesises. Also, you know, he was a big ginger. I was gonna say you guys, um, you guys, you guys had that in common. We did, we did, and I hated that. If, <laughs> if he won the matchup, I would just be so angry. You know, there's a couple guys on Purdue. Who was it? Uh, who's the guard? 
Evan Kelsey Barlow, okay. I think it was. DJ Bird was a little bit of a trouble. There was a lot of guys out there. Yeah. Um, but specifically, I think I was the one of the more hated players That's in what, the Big Ten. So. I, I was going to go that way. I was going to be like, all right. And now I was going to be like, yeah, everybody didn't like. You know, there was a lot of guys that I may or may not, you know, may or may may or may not have liked, but. I don't think a lot of guys liked me in the Big Ten because I was one of those dudes that was kind of always there and just annoying and yeah. just did a lot of the little stuff to piss you off. I feel, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is what which is what I uh, kind of hung my hat on my my college career on. So yeah, it's what Wisconsin people love. It's like what is what they they love. But I mean, it's the Joe Kravenhoff. It's the you know Brad Davison. It, I mean, it's guys that do the little things and, and that don't necessarily get all the attention, uh, except yeah. from other uh, other schools <laughs> and their fans. Except for when everybody hates them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's. I mean, that 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 is what it is. Just going back uh, again, talking with Mike Bruzewitz here on the Wisconsin basketball roundtable. Looking at the Big Ten picture, Wisconsin is in third place. It's that's insane to say they're in a four way tie for third, just a game back of Penn State, two games back of Maryland. What is the most impressive in your mind about what they've been? able to do this year considering all the outside and 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 you know on the court issues that they've had yeah that's what i mean it's been outside issues uh off the court i shouldn't say outside off the court issues and also you know some of the on the court issues as well what what has stood out to you what's been the most impressive thing for you um to be honest this whole season has been impressive by them um gonna be real honest and upfront and people need to listen to this is this is a program that, you know, has had very little to- turnover since early 2000, right? Since Coach Bo Ryan was in there, there hasn't really been any cha- coaching changes except for one with Greg Gard. There's been a couple of small scandals, a couple guys getting kicked off, a couple players transferring. But in terms of overall college basketball, I think Wisconsin has one of the fewest transfers out of anybody in the out of any college Division One team. Uh, outside distractions, there's guys that, you know, they usually recruit high-character guys. So in terms of what this season has had in terms of distractions, your assistant coach gets into an accident. Um, you, you know, you have a weird start to the season with uh, a player not being eligible, which is a big part of your team now for half the season. You're trying to fight to get him eligible. All of a sudden he comes back, another player leaves. You know, there's a strength coach leaving. The, the, the amount of distractions and the amount of things that these guys have had to deal with um, as a college basketball player, it's very not normal for a Wisconsin program, but it's not normal for any college program in terms of all these distractions kind of rolled into one. And it's just been impressive. I know they had a little bit of a rough start to the year, but like I said, they're third in the Big Ten. They're you know, very firmly in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. And it's just been great to see these guys just stay resilient the whole time. You know, nobody's really complained. Nobody's you know, he's blown up on the sidelines, you know, internally, everybody's kind of stayed strong. Coach guards kind of stayed the same tune the whole time. Just stay with us. This is a process. We're going to get better. And, you know, this is still a pretty young group. If you think about it, there's not a lot of seniors going on on this team. I think it's Brevin Pritzel's the, the only senior, right? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at that, that bodes well for next season um, in terms of just the resilience and the toughness that they have. And it really shows in some of these games, especially those road ones, they show a lot of toughness, a lot of grit. And um, it's, it's been just kind of a pleasure to watch these guys grow. I know it's been ugly at times and they've had their pains, but it's definitely something that is going to happen in college basketball with the, with the age group that you're dealing with. And these guys have done just an absolutely phenomenal job and, and through a brutal Big Ten. This is one of the best. This, this reminds me of my sophomore year of what the Big Ten looks like. You know, there was dominant teams um, in terms of just there was about four dominant teams. The bottom wasn't quite as heavy, but those top, you know, top eight teams were super loaded. 
Um, and it looks kind of like that again this year. And in, in the years I was in the Big Ten, it was always one of the top conferences in the country. And it's great to see that it's, it's back to that. Yeah, and Wisconsin has five games left. They'll take on Rutgers. It's kind of a little bit of a revenge tour for them. They, they've already taken care of Michigan State, who had beaten them earlier in the year. Purdue obviously had beaten them earlier in the year. Now they get a chance at Rutgers, who beat them uh, in the first game without Micah Potter. And now they get a Micah Potter back in there, and then they'll get Minnesota uh, the following week. So, Good. Uh, they're they're in a good spot here, looking towards uh, the Big Ten tournament. Oh, definitely are. You know, they, that 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 win against uh, that win at Nebraska was huge. I think. Um, you know, it, it just showed that. You know, I think it was huge in a couple of things. Da- Brad Davis and finding his jump shot, which was great, um, and just in confidence. You know, finding road wins has not been easy in this uh, in this conference. And even though Nebraska's not you know not doing well, um, so well in the conference, that's still a, a quality road win. Because it looks bad if they lose that game, right? It's you know it's an underdog team, so they needed to stay on pace. And then obviously you know this Purdue win was was huge because they kind of got thumped when they went into uh, West Lafayette last time. And it's good to you know it's good to get those feelings back. Like all right, you guys had our number that day. That was just one of those off days, and they finally finally were able to put it together and um, get a big win. Yeah, now they got to get that split with Minnesota to help you out a little bit. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> do. We need to split with Minnesota, and then we'll go to the NCAA tournament. And Minnesota will be chilling. Uh, at home, which and it's, makes me very happy. And it's looking that it's looking very much like that could be the case. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out these last couple of weeks. Mike, thank you very much. We'll catch up next week. All right, appreciate it. All right, there he is, Mike Ruzwitz here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. And now back to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. From back-to-back Final Four appearances and named three times to the Big Ten's all-defensive team, we hear from guard Josh Gusser. Now here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We to bring in for Badger Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Well, Josh, Wisconsin picks up a pair of wins since last week, including uh, going to Nebraska, taking care of business there with the Huskers, and largely behind 30 points and eight three-pointers from Brad Davison. How good did it feel, I guess, for you to see a guy who's had an up-and-down season, some of his own doing, you know, and some of it injury-wise, up and down to hit what he did? I mean, hitting the school record, tied the school record for three-pointers with eight. Yeah, that was uh, much needed. You know, I I don't think anybody would expect Brad to be the school leader and single game three point makes, but he's a much better shooter. I think we all can say he's a much better shooter than his percentages have said and how he's been playing the past month. So you, you just figured it would happen eventually. I didn't think it would happen all in one game, but hopefully he can continue this. And obviously he's had a frustrating few weeks, and I think mentally he's finally in a place where he's kind of move past the whole, you know, suspension and those type of things. And you could tell just by the way he's been playing. And there's been a lot of uh, – it's always been the best thing about our team is just you never know who's going to step up. And I don't think anyone, including Brad, thought he'd have an eight three-pointer game. But that's just what makes us a good team. And, and Brad is a, as tough as nails as it gets. And let's just hope he continues, you know, not, not necessarily to that level, but at least helping out, you know, offensively a little more than he has been. Yeah, I mean, he comes back against uh, Purdue and hits three of five from distance, so put that together. The thing about it is, and we were talking earlier in the show with some of the other guys, is that 
Last year, Brad and Dimitri got off to such a hot start. You know, I mean, Dimitri was shooting yeah. over 60% at one point. It was insane. And the team was shooting over well over 40%, and then it kind of fell off. And they didn't hit a double-digit number of three-pointers after January, I think. I don't. I, it, it got bad. And now, <laughs> and now it kind of started out bad. And it's, kind yeah, of, it's, yeah. and it's kind of flipped the script here a little bit. And obviously you'd much rather have it this way than last year. But does it kind of feel like that a little bit? I mean, you got uh, Dimitri shooting well over 40% since the middle of January. Brad's coming on. We've seen Elaine Ford certainly with the 5 of 8 against Nebraska, and he's shooting over 40% the last couple of weeks. Is it kind of feeling trending upwards here as we hit March? It really does. I mean, you just hope that it can it can hang on here for a few more weeks because – you know the season's winding down here. It's 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 almost March already, but there's still a lot of games to be played. Hopefully, a lot of games to be played. So you don't want them to peak too early, but it seems like they're they're starting to come together at the right time. You you want to come together right around this time at the end of the Big Ten regular season and just carry the momentum and and know who you are as a team coming into tournament time, uh, whether that's Big Ten tournament or NCAA. But it feels like yeah, I mean, Brad and Dimitri and Aline, those guys are veterans. They they've been around a little bit, so. They don't quite have the excuses of, of years past where they don't know what to expect or that, you know, it's a long season, the grind of the season, you slow down at the end. They they know what they're getting into. They know their bodies, their minds are have been through this rodeo a little bit. So they're they're at a we have a good advantage that way. And like I said, let's just hope we can continue that, that hot streak for a few more weeks here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, talk with Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. Okay, I wanted to ask you about the end of the Purdue game because I think there's for non basketball people, people that don't know the ins and outs of you know sets offensive sets and everything that goes into it uh, down the stretch they they went scoreless from the field in the final 538 and there were a couple of possessions towards the you know two minute mark in the one minute mark where they were just there was a lot of dribbling there wasn't a whole lot of offense being run <laughs> people in the stands frustrated i think people on at home probably frustrated tell me why that that is a good thing if it is or if it's not well, what would what would you what would you uh, advise differently? Well, it's not a good thing to go five minutes without scoring. Well, yeah, ever, no, of course, but... of course. But you know, what I'm saying? you know, you know, <laughs> no, you know what parts I'm absolutely. talking about, right? Okay, all right, absolutely. So, you know, that that's what, what we've been talking about all year is just not quite having that one guy who you can just give the ball to at the end of the shot clock and just and just make a play. And it, it, Dimitri's done a great job of that. But in, in years past, we've always done that. You get a lead. You milk the clock. You you move the ball a little bit. Try to get something easy. Get an easy layup, an easy post touch. You take it. But otherwise, we're going to make them defend that whole thirty seconds, and we're we're fine with our point guard taking a taking a contested or uncontested jumper on a switch. And we were getting the switch we wanted with Tramiel Williams pretty much every play with Demetric. Yep. And he got pretty good looks. I mean, he, he didn't knock them down, but they were top of the key. You know, threes on a half contest. That you know we made him defend for 30 seconds, and and I think with the lead we'll we'll take that most of the time, and then it creates an offensive rebound situation where where we if we can get the board, we run another 20 seconds off the clock, and um, you know it's something that's worked for us for a while, including this team. And if Dimitri would have made one of those shots, you know I think it, it would have been a different story. And unfortunately, he just couldn't get him to fall. But this team might be a little more different just because we don't have that one star where we might need to just continue running our offense and continue you know, mixing it up and just playing within the flow of the game. And, and whoever gets a shot gets a shot like we normally do. But, you know, I, I don't mind it. The results obviously weren't great, but 
didn't mind it too much. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the offensive rebounding. I mean, and Matt Painter, the coach, talked about it after the game. He's, yeah, you can talk about what Aleem Four did. You can talk about the free throw shooting, but the offensive rebound, they gave up four offensive rebounds in those in that last few minutes, and I think Brevin had a couple of them, and it didn't necessarily lead to buckets, but that just takes you know a little bit of oomph out of your sails a little bit if you're Purdue. Yeah, and they're, they're trying to make a comeback. They're, they need every single possession they can get, and Purdue's not a team that can score the ball easily, so they, they need as many shots as they can get up as well. And uh, Brevin getting those offensive rebounds, like you said, we didn't score off it, but it just it just shrunk the game to yeah. where Purdue only had a couple shots and and uh, their two guard, Stefanovic, whatever, you know, had an open shot and missed it. And if we would have gotten those offensive rebounds, they may have had a few more a few more of those looks and maybe hit one. But that that's the, the great thing about that style of play is it, it shrinks the game, it limits the possessions, and it really makes everyone tight, especially on the road, especially when you they know they have to make a shot in this possession. If they don't, man, we're really looking not looking good. So it's been working, and it's, uh, we find ways to win. Give them credit. Right, no doubt. And so I wanted to talk about the free-throw shooting because were you as confident? Like I, I feel like uh, Brad has turned into just you know being almost automatic from, from there. He's shooting over 90% for the year now, and Brevin before this year was just fantastic, was a little slow to get going, but now he's shooting over 84%. Were you feeling good every time they stepped to the line? Or I, I really was. Okay. It, this team reminds me a lot of, or end of game situations. A lot of uh, the team I was on in 2013-2014, where we had myself, Ben Bruss, and Trayvon Jackson, three guard lineups out there at the end of the games. And yeah. It's kind of like who are you going to follow? Whichever one of us got the ball, we we were all pretty good free throw shooters, and not only good free throw shooters, but seemed to make them you know at the end of the games and had, yeah. had the confidence. So whereas I think a lot of teams rely on just getting the ball to one guy to have that clutch moment. And this team, I mean, Brad, Demetric, and Brevin, you know. Pick your poison. You can't you can't double all of them. So, whichever one of those guys got fouled, I felt really confident. And and then when you have big guys who could pass, and Aleem and Nate, similar with us with with Sam and Frank. So it's a it's a good thing to have. If we're up by two or three at the end of the games, we should be able to close it out with our free throw shooting, which a year ago today was the opposite. <laughs> it was a question mark. Now, obviously, you lose a guy who's one of the more poor free throw shooters. That, that Wisconsin has had in in uh, Ethan Happ and you know Khalil Khalil was better as a senior but he wasn't he was never great so you're going to have these things but right now they are the, they have the second highest shooting percentage from the free throw line in school history they're they're at wow seven, I didn't realize that they're at wow. seven, yeah seventy six point eight can you tell me who has the highest percentage I think it was uh, my freshman year two thousand eleven it was you guys, you guys shot eighty one point three percent from the line. Which, I think we were. I think Jordan Taylor missed a free throw against Butler that year. We got knocked out of the Sweet 16. That yeah. we would have been the all-time in NCAA history. It w- I think man. we were like one, one or two free throws away. I went. I went back. Yeah, I went back and looked. Like 76 and 81. There's a five percent difference between what these guys are at <laughs> and what the highest in the in the in the, that, That's one to two, and it's such a huge jump. But I mean, it's it is that's different. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's a different feel, you know, for uh, for fans this year. That you're not just worried that yeah. uh, <laughs> that you're going to be put on the no, free throw you're, line. You're, you're feeling right. good about it. The, the, the numbers speak for themselves, but it's, it's a feeling thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like when when those guys went to the line, I just feel good. I feel like yeah, it's, you're shocked if it doesn't go in. Where last year I was like, oh boy, you know, <laughs> we're on the line now. This is uh, we've got to worry about defense now. You just, you never have to worry about that, which is which is a great thing and an underrated thing, just from the feeling of the players and the staff and the building. Yeah. The other thing we need to talk about, and I talked about it with Brian Butch earlier in the show. In one of your former teammates uh, took issue with it was the crowd 
um, and and the student section. And I know your your work for the W. I know you don't want to criticize here, but that was pretty poor, wasn't it? I mean, the the and I, and maybe something was going on with students. Maybe there was midterms or something else going on. But to be on a Tuesday night in a Big Ten game that was pretty important and for it to be not just the student section but pretty much the entire the entire arena it felt a little dead for a big game like that no I was there I was at the game on Tuesday night against Purdue and when the national anthem started I was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. like there's like no in the crowd here it's like yeah. this, this game can't be starting here in five minutes it was just it was a weird feel obviously it filled up a little bit but the student section I mean I think it's just you know I hate to say it, it's not, it's not necessarily a Wisconsin problem. It's it's a cultural thing, and it, it sucks that our football stadium isn't filled up with the student section until the second, third quarter. It sucks that our basketball student section isn't the best in the country. But, I mean, kids just – I don't know if they're just different now or what, but, you know, when I was playing in high school, it was like a, a big thing for all the students to come to the game and have a theme and, like, have these chants and things. Yeah. And I don't think kids like doing that as much anymore, and it, it sucks, and – you know, hopefully the way we've been playing lately, it'll get the, the students and the fans a little more interested and, and riled up because it's obviously been a tough couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's frustrating. I texted Shoei after he tweeted that. I'm like, you, you love riling up Twitter, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second time he's done it in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he gets – he. I mean, it's it doesn't tweet a lot, but when he tweets, it's it turns into <laughs> it turns into some stuff that, that does move the needle a little bit. Yeah, um, no, yeah. it's frustrating. As a player, you want nothing more than to run out of the tunnel there and just see the students going crazy. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, that's that's the funnest part about playing basketball is having the crowds behind you, having a loud environment. You when you're on the road, I mean, it's just fun. And it seems like it's it's not the case here this year. And Tuesday night was kind of the icing on the cake with just really realizing it. ESPN game against Wisconsin Purdue, big game. You know, it should have been a big game and. It just didn't have the feeling of it in the venue. Yeah. Uh, again, I think probably on Sunday against Rutgers it'll be a little bit better. I know this. I know uh, thing is sold out. We'll see if the students are ready to get up at noon and, and get there. And because it was a big game, you know, when Michigan when the Michigan State came, and I knew Michigan State's like the biggest game, but uh, it was it was rowdy in there, and I would expect it to be a little bit better on Sunday than it was uh, this past weekend, but or this past week against Purdue. But we'll see. Josh, uh, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, we'll catch up next week. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks a bunch. All right, and that was Josh Gosser here on the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable. That is going to do it for this week's show. Appreciate those guys stepping on. Thank you very much to Aline Ford for joining us as well. Badgers, Rutgers on Sunday. They will come back and then head to Michigan next Thursday. We will recap both of those next week. Until then, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable.